ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next Podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Sam Leibowitz. He's known as the Conscious Consultant. He's a facilitator, mentor, speaker, best-selling author, and serial entrepreneur. He's owned several successful businesses since 1993, and the focus of our conversation today is one of those businesses, and that is Talking Alternative Broadcasting, or Talk Radio NYC. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gabrielle. I really appreciate you having me on your show today. You've had a wide range of experiences and are a serial entrepreneur with various irons in the fire, and we could talk about so many things. This is why I want to focus our conversation in on talking alternative broadcasting. Most entrepreneurs see a white space, an unmet need, and craft their business to meet that need. So can you take me back before you started, the landscape was like, and what the need was that you saw? Well, you know, people often think that because I'm, I'm the owner and, and I run this network that I, I founded it, but actually it wasn't my idea. I can't take credit ah, for it. That's I, news. I, Interesting. Do tell. And, and so people always ask me, so how'd you get into it? And I was like, I met a guy at a party. It's like <laughs> such a typical New York story. I was at a party at a friend of mine's apartment down in Chelsea and a mutual friend of ours brings this guy to the party and says, Sam, you got to talk to my friend Giorgio. And I have no clue. I have no idea. I'm like, oh, okay. Hi, Giorgio. I'm Sam. I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm an acupuncturist. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I know a lot of different alternative health practitioners, but not too many acupuncturists. And then in his next breath, he goes, but I've decided to become a Buddhist monk and I'm selling off all my worldly goods. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh. that's such a New York story. But do continue. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, that's different. And so it gets better. Um, and so I'm like, well, have you sold your practice yet? And he goes, no, not yet. But I'm talking to some people and I'm like, well, I network a lot. I know a lot of people. Maybe I can help you sell your practice. And he goes, oh, that would be good. It would be good metaphor. You it would be good karma for you to help someone to become a monk. And then he goes, oh, yeah. And I started this Internet radio radio station. I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Acupuncturist radio station. I'm like, what's your name again? And he says, Giorgio Repetti. And I was like, ah, I know who you are. You're Giorgio Repetti. My friend, Larry Sharp does a radio show on your network and he's told me about you, but he's never connected us. And now the guy's standing right in front of me. Oh, wow. So a, a week later, I meet him in his office on 72nd Street and we have this two and a half hour long meeting. I'm like, okay, give me the good, the bad, the ugly. Tell me about all of this. And he started telling me about the acupuncture practice and you know how it went down during the crash and he built it back up and this and that. And then he started getting into the radio station and then I started getting excited mm. because I'm not an acupuncturist. I mean, what do I want an acupuncture practice for? <laughs> but 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 then, you know, I, I, I in the middle of all of this, I kind of jokingly turned to him and said, you know, this is such a good deal. It's like getting two businesses for the price of one. If I can't find someone to buy your business, I'll just buy it myself. And we, we both kind of laugh about it because I wasn't really, really serious, but I was kind of. But then that night I come home and I tell my wife about the meeting and everything and all that's going on. And, and their first reaction is, oh, 
forget helping him to sell his business. And I was a little bit crestfallen. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, you know, we may not have that much money, but we may as well put what we have into a business that's actually making money. And I was like, oh, 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 great idea. Yeah. Why don't we do that? (laughs) And so... And so the, we ended up buying his businesses. Um, we brought in an acupuncturist to handle his acupuncture practices. My wife is a psychotherapist. I knew a lot of practitioners. So we turned it into a more generalized wellness center. We had biofeedback and naturopathic doctors, all this stuff. And then I really focused a lot on the radio station and I you know, updated the website. I tweaked the business model. I brought on new hosts and it's been now almost 11 years. And I have to tell you, I mean, it's, it's, there've been good times and there've been bad times, but nothing else has held my interest as long as this has over the last uh, 11 years. It's really something that's been so much fun. I've learned so much. I've worked with so many great people and uh, it's, it's really quite something. Well, so to get a little bit geeky, what what platform is it? It's not a traditional broadcast radio station. No, no, it's not. People always ask me, like, where do I find it on the dial? And I was like, no, 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 no. Internet, internet radio, which means we stream live online so people hear us from all around the world. So basically, we use a an audio server back end that we have a little player, and then there's the stream. And, and then I've listed this stream not only on a it's not only on our website, it's on a bunch of phone apps. It's on a bunch of other websites. So people come and hit the stream many different places. And because of that, we've managed to garner like listeners in over 120 countries around the globe. And we've gotten up to as many as 300,000 listeners a year um, internationally. And that's people listening to the stream. Now, we're not broadcasting live shows 24-7, but when we don't have live shows, we then restream shows from the last two to three months. So then somebody's show will get heard once live. It then gets heard multiple times in the reruns. And then people could always go to our website and hear the recordings and download it. And then they can also, many of my hosts have me, and and if they don't have me do it, they do it themselves. They then post the recordings to all the traditional podcasting platforms like Apple and Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. So we're like podcasting plus we we like offer this live component that these days like nobody's doing everybody's doing these pre-recorded and look not that there's anything wrong with that Let hey me be clear. There. <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're, they're, it's definitely good but but it's just we add this little extra component of of doing like a live radio show so that then there's this opportunity for engagement and when we were working out of our studio people could call in i had a phone system mm. but now we're doing everything virtually. So now most of our engagement is through a Facebook live video. So we're now not just doing the audio, but we're also streaming the video. Uh, And so that way the video is being streamed live. And so the, the host can now see if there are comments from people and engagement, and then they can respond to it in their show. Oh, that's interesting. So your listening audience, you said um, 300,000 a year globally. Uh, how have you driven awareness? I mean, that's, you know, we're in an attention economy. It's very competitive. How do you make people aware of the program? So, or the, of the channel, sorry. Right. So we promote 
this the station sort of very broadly because we have all kinds of shows from very uh, hardcore business shows to personal and spiritual development to culture shows so it it's always been a very interesting mix but like mm-hmm. each show has its own niche mm-hmm. so over the years we've had interns and production assistants to do a lot of social media and and kind of the more online guerrilla marketing of like how do we get the word out there because we didn't have big budgets so it's doing research on things like hashtags and keywords and 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 where can we post about the show what other groups might be interested in it um and sometimes it just comes down to a lot of networking uh conferences Mm -hmm. and and things have you know shifted and changed over the years it hasn't always been like this so it, it it's been mostly sort of the the tactic of of sort of going and and finding out what was the particular niche and I always work with my hosts before they start to make sure they're very clear about who, their who is their audience right. who is their tribe who relates to them better than anybody else and who do they love more than anybody else and then we really focus our attention for that show on that individual niche right which is I, I think that's so important for people to understand that social platforms have purposes for different audiences. And so understanding your own audience is so important in terms of building awareness. One of the challenges of podcasting, and I say this as a podcast host, is consolidating metrics and audience demographics. And that can be challenging mm. because of the walled gardens in some respects of where things are. Do you run into that through internet radio or do you get all of your metrics eat cleanly? Well, the thing is, is the metrics, we actually get very good metrics because the audio server captures listeners by based on their IP address. So I I get this huge log file at the end of every month of like how many people listen to the different tracks. And so Mm -hmm. based on the track, I know, were they listening to a live show? Were they listening to a rerun? And then if they're listening to a rerun, I know exactly which rerun they listen to. And we get number of performances, number of listeners, duration, which is very key because then you can see how long people are listening to an individual rerun run Mm -hmm. but then we we and we download it we bring it into excel and we sort it and subtotal and spread it out by the different shows but then we also will you know we get a report from uh google analytics for how many people are playing directly off our website or downloading off our website um we also because we do a lot of facebook lives i'll go to facebook and download a, a a spreadsheet from Excel, a, mm-hmm. a spreadsheet I bring into Excel from Facebook of the views and how many people viewed the, the video version of it. And then um, for those hosts whom we do the podcasting end of things for, we do that as sort of like an optional service. We have a media host and then the media host will you know, give us information of just how many people downloaded or played a particular episode. So then we bring all this disparate information into one huge Excel file and consolidate it for each of the shows. So then each month, the host has a pretty good uh, idea of where are the majority of listeners coming? Where did something pop? Mm. And, And sometimes it's about an individual episode. And what we've noticed is, especially when a host gets a really good guest on, that's not necessarily that they're a good guest, but they're good at promoting the fact that they're on the interview and they've got a strong following that boom, there can be a big pop in the Facebook views or there's a big pop in the live listeners. Right. Right. Do you sell advertising or sponsorships against different programs or are your programs all advertising free? 
Right now, the only ads we have on the shows are the promo spots for the other shows on the network because mm-hmm. we do a lot to cross promote mm-hmm. and our hosts are really, really good. I'm, I'm really very honored that people finally get what I've been trying to do, which is build a community of people who all work together and support each other. Now, I have not yet gone after sponsors and advertisers for the station overall, but Mm -hmm. individual hosts have gotten sponsors for their individual shows. Uh, At one time I had a a show about nonprofits on my network that the the host stayed with me for over 10 years. And at one time he had five uh, uh, sponsors all at once. And and he had many sponsors over the time. And so Mm -hmm. I would coach my hosts about best ways to approach sponsors and the strategy and, and, and I'm actually working with a friend who's a sponsorship expert and we're putting together a whole class on that. But, um, but we haven't done it for the station overall, because when I talk about internet radio, most people think about traditional radio. And if you don't have hundreds of thousands of listeners, uh, they, they they don't quite get it. So I've just been waiting to that point where we break a hundred thousand listeners a month. Mm -hmm. And then when I hit that mark, I'll feel confident myself enough to go out and do it. But really I'm mostly focused on the content. I'm bringing more hosts on. I mean, we're a pay for PlayStation. So the hosts pay me. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways I just kind of feel advertising is not nearly as effective as it used to be. And, and, you know, people's attention, as you mentioned before, is, is so short that when there is a little bit of a commercial break, that's usually when people are going to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so we've covered the consuming audience end of things. So let's now move on to the content content creator, the service offering, and and the revenue model side of of the conversation. I noticed on the website that there's a big start your own show button. Can Mm. anyone start their own show or is it that you curate them? Is it wide open or are you selecting from people who hand raise? Well, I do select people from the hand raising because first I have to see if what they're going to do their show about is in alignment with the overall brand for the station. Mm -hmm. And the overall brand for the station is about educating, empowering, uplifting, and inspiring people. And so if somebody does not have a message that is, has some of those characteristics in it, I'm not really interested. There's enough fear-based media out there in the mainstream media. There's enough Monday morning quarterbacking. I don't have to play that game and I don't want to play that game. So first I see if they're in alignment with our brand, Mm -hmm. you know, then I see like, are they coachable? Like, will they listen to me? Do they understand? <laughs> be, be, yeah. Believe it or not, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, here, I'm paying you money. I, I, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to do it. And I'm like, no, if that's your attitude, I'm totally not interested in working with you. Right. But really now I, I'm, what I'm also very much looking for is do people get the idea of the benefit of what it means to be part of a network as opposed to just doing your own show off on your own, that Mm. by supporting the other shows and getting the support from the other shows, that it helps everybody and it makes everything easier. I mean, I have monthly host meetings where I bring all the hosts together and I give them feedback. They give me feedback. Many of the things and the updates and changes that we've done with the station over the years have come from suggestions from my hosts. So uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything and I'm better than everybody else. No, I want this to be a real community effort that if people work together, I'm a big believer when we work together, we can accomplish so much more than if we're just doing our own little thing. 
Sure. The synergies, it, mutual benefit go I, right there. I mean, it, I, it's interesting. And one of the great things about my host is almost all of my hosts have been guests on other hosts shows. And, and, nice. and sometimes like if, if a, a scheduled guest, you know, at the last minute cancels on a host, they'll reach out to the other host and say, Hey, some canceled, do you want to be on my show? Or do you know somebody who could be on my show? And so there's this built-in resource that, you know, allows people to, again, make that commitment of doing a show every week so that they, they, they can always be confident. Look, even my guest canceled the last minute, I can always get somebody from the network. Right. That's so valuable having that, having that backstop that you've got right there. So, right. so if I'm a professional and I have things to share and I tick the boxes, I'm brand aligned, how does it work? Can you take me through the process? Sure. Uh, basically, I'm going to have a conversation with the person first. I'm going to, you know, ask them what is their business about? What are their goals? What are they looking to achieve from having a show? Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes, I sometimes can actually see ways that a show can serve their brand and their business that they haven't even thought of themselves because I've worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the years and produced thousands of episodes. So I, I have a very broad perspective of different ways that you can use a show to support you. So I, I try and get to know what they're looking to get out of it and then offering maybe other ideas, other ways they can use a show to, to build up their business. And then see, you know, whether they're up for it or they, do they understand the commitment? Do they understand, you know, that, that this is part of being a team. And then we have our onboarding process. They get assigned a production assistant who will do the social media on our end and the write up sh uh, show summary for them. Oh, we, I, that, I was actually wondering how much that was, you know, guest booking, recording, editing, write up. So where the lines are drawn between this is on you host to wrangle, or this is on us network to help. Wow. How does that divide work? So the host is responsible for their content, their guests. And then we have a, 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 a form where they submit what their summary is for the week of, of what's coming up on their show next week. And then we take that summary, we put it into our newsletter that goes out. We use it for social media for supporting the show. And then it goes when we post the show afterwards, the recording, then we put in that summary. But then we supply uh, assistance to write up the show notes. Our version of Zoom, we're doing it on Zoom like most people, we get a complete <laughs> show transcript. Right. Uh, and then we... Um, and then, and then we, we basically handle all the technical stuff for them. And, and again, some of my hosts will have their own people, like take the recording afterwards, download it and upload it to the podcasting platforms. Mm -hmm. But many of my hosts will have me do that. It's an add-on service. And so then after we post it to our website, we'll then take uh, the audio and post it to the podcasting platforms and, and set all that up for them. So we, we kind of now, we've changed the business model a couple of times over the years, but basically now now we're offering sort of uh, an entry level package, a mid range package, and sort of the high end. We do everything for you and throw in the kitchen sink and extra consulting and all kinds of stuff. And and normally in the onboarding process, when I'm talking to a person, I'm I'm helping them figure out what's the if they're not really clear on their brand for the show yet. Like what's the brand for the show? Mm -hmm. um, they have to give me a logo, a show description. If they don't have someone to do a logo for them, we can find a freelancer. 
to do a logo for them. Mm -hmm. Pick out a piece of non-copyrighted music. I'm I'm very strict about that. I'm like, no copyrighted music. I don't want to get in any trouble. Well, Um, speaking of just... Let me jump in there. Speaking sure. of, of copyright of IP, do the content creators retain full ownership of their IP? Is that entirely theirs or how, how does that work? Well, the way we do it is it's it's shared ownership because I need rights to it in order to be able to post it to the website. And then the, they have rights to it because it's their content. So okay. basically we both have rights to it because I need to be able to have rights, you know, to promote the station and, and to put it up there for them. So, but... There's permissions. You have permission. Do you own or is it a permission? You know, like it's a co-ownership. So, for, so, so if somebody somebody's working with you and then they they say, you know what, I'm I, I just want to do the podcast. I don't live is too stressful for me. So I'm going to take sure. my my toys and go somewhere else, you know, lovely. But it's it's time to part ways. Do they have the library go with them? Or do they, okay, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They take all their files. I mean, they're posted on the website. They basically just download it off our website the day after it's posted. Okay. And then, and then if they want the video files, if they want all the other stuff, we just do a file transfer, they get everything. Um, So so they have complete rights to it, complete ownership to it. But the reason I retain rights to it is because maybe after six months, we, we, we give our interns a little project to put together a promo reel or select out the best of that we use. So I need rights to be able to go back and and play with this stuff so that we can use it to help them. Right. So the gentleman who was the nonprofit show Mm -hmm. and who had sponsors did that sponsorship was that a revenue split with you and him or was that entirely his and he could use that to offset the cost he was paying to you right well he got those sponsors so it was all his i see the the way our relationship is with the host is if we get the sponsor it's a 50 50 split if they get the sponsor it's all theirs i see I see. Well, that's some incentive, right? Yep. Um. <laughs> the, the other talking of incentives, the other thing that I do for my hosts, which they really appreciate, is when they refer somebody to me who they feel would be a good host to add to the network. If that host comes on board, they get a month for free. So this way it encourages them to help me find good people. And then I I always say to them, look, be selfish, like refer to me people whose shows would be very complimentary to yours that you could play off of each other a lot. And so they've, they've done that. And so that helps the station to grow as well. Right. On your site, you also have a blog and classes. Are those Mm -hmm. things that are offered to participants as part of what they get that they can go or, or are these things separate? Can a participant offer a class? How does, how, what's the genesis of that content? So the blog is, is just my own blog that I started writing for the newsletter that we go out just to add a little bit of extra content. And mm-hmm. I actually took, you know, the best of my blog from six years and turned it into a book. Um, and, and then the other content, the classes are really classes that I offer around podcasting, how to monetize your podcast. I haven't had any of my hosts ask me if they could offer a class through, but I'm very open and very flexible. So if, if a host came on board and they're like, Hey, Sam, you know, I've been doing my show for a while. I'd like to offer a class on this or that. Can I offer it through the station? I'd be more than happy to work with them and work something out with that. Hmm. Well, another way that people are credentialing themselves, and you you just mentioned this, is through book publication. And mm-hmm. when we had our pre-interview, you had some interesting ideas and in development. Are, are you at a point where you can 
share anything around that? Yes, I actually have been looking for someone for a while who could offer sort of taking transcripts of several episodes and turning it into a book at, at a reasonable price. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I had lots of people who could do it for tens of thousands of dollars, but I was really <laughs> no. looking for someone who could do it for like under like three grand. So I finally found somebody. So uh, we now are offering to our hosts sort of this package deal where um, there are certain pieces of it they have to do themselves, but she can talk them through it. But for a couple of thousand dollars, we take like 10 episodes and turn it into a book for them and get a cover design and do a bunch of stuff. And now they they have this content that they've repurposed into a book. So smart. That is just so smart. Um, so now let's just give a little bit of advice to all the content creators out there. What makes someone a good host? Personally, I feel what makes somebody a really good host is their ability to be very present with their guest. Mm. So often I see hosts that miss golden opportunities because their guests say something that they may gloss over, but is actually a very interesting point that if they just stop the guest and say, wait, 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 you just said X, Y, and Z. Can we go into that a little bit more? Right. And, and so when there's this, when you can be very present with your guests and you can ask really deep questions that you can actually draw out of your guest, amazing stories that they never even thought were a good story. I've personally on my own show, I have interviewed people who have had been interviewed on mainstream media, but after my interview, they can come back to me and go, Oh my God, Sam, that was like the best interview I ever had. Mm. And I'm not saying it to brag. I'm saying it as an illustration of the thing I feel that I've done really well and that I do better than most people I know is I'm very present with my guests and I don't overly prepare because I want it to be fresh for me because I want to hear it from the same point of view as my listener. Right. And so when I hear it for the first time, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Hey, let's talk about that a little bit more. So this way I don't have sort of a preset idea of what questions am I going to ask and what am I going to do? I'm just really present to the conversation. And I just want to have a really, really good conversation with the guest. And and my listeners love it. And 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 I just have gotten so much positive feedback about it that to me, that is the number one underrated skill for being a host of a show. I don't care if it's a TV show, podcast, radio show, any kind of show. It's about presence. Right. I think that's so true. This is sort of the, the active listening and responding to what the person has shared. So let's say an individual um, thinks about themselves. Yeah, I do that. What kind of other questions should they be asking themselves before they decide to start down the path? Because it's, you know, people, I'm sure they come up to you all the time and say, well, I'd like to do a show. Um, and it's it's not something you should jump into lightly, right? right. Um, so what are the kinds of things that they should be thinking about and, you know, are they up for? And, um, you know, what do you think that they should take into consideration? A lot of people are thinking about this. So what should right. they be thinking? What should they so, be asking? So the first thing I, I like to the first seed I like to plant is how are you going to integrate having a show into your current marketing efforts? Mm. 
Like, mm. how can you use what you're doing, not as a doing a show, as a, not as a whole separate thing, but as a part, as a synergistic part of what you're already doing? Are you already blogging? Are you already have a newsletter? Are you already doing social media? If you are, great. Come up with a content calendar and have the show fit into that content calendar as well. So you're blogging about the same topic as you're posting on social media, as you're mentioning in your newsletter, as you're talking about on your show so that it creates sort of this positive reinforcing spiral. Mm, the, right. the, the second thing is I want people to really think about what is the journey you're taking your listeners on? Hmm. Like where are your listeners when they come to listen to a show? What is the journey you're taking them through the show? And then, and where are you leading them to? And, and being very listener centric is so important. Like if you're just doing a show to promote yourself and because you think that's what you need to do to get out there, forget it. It's going to be just a half hour, an hour long commercial, and nobody's going to listen to you. you know, nobody wants the me show. Right. No. But if you're doing it to serve your audience because it's something that's going to benefit them, right. then that is going to attract people. And there's a lot of people out there. I've heard a lot of shows that it could be like two co-hosts and they're talking about what they did for the day and their week and their puppy dogs and this and that. And it's like, who cares? It's like they joke and they laugh and they have a good time doing it. But if I'm not your friend, if I don't know who you are, which is the majority of people, then why would I be interested in what you're saying? So I, I really, I highly recommend that anyone out there, if you're already doing a show, Listen to some of your own episodes and ask yourself, if I didn't know who I was, would I be interested in what I was just saying? Right. Right. So think about your audience. Yeah. Think of it. Think about, I mean, it sounds like, you know, summarizing up, being present with your guests, integrating it into your own brand and what you're doing. So it's not an add on thing, a bolt on, but an integrated effort and thinking really about your listeners and and what the journey is. I think that's so smart thinking of it as a journey. Um, Yes. You have been fantastic, and I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. So many people are considering how they can extend their brand into the marketplace, and your comments and guidance in this episode, I think, will help them think through that decision and also improve what they're currently doing. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Gabrielle. It's, it's been so much fun uh, being on your show. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next, and I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>